God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, man, to feel the spirit and the power and the presence of God. Amen. What a wonderful spirit is here tonight. Amen. It's good to see everybody here. We want to finish up our last lesson on this series tonight of better sacrifice. Amen is what we want to get into. Amen again. Now, as we have seen and as we have walked through the, the word of God, we continue to see that, that as I said, the, the book of Hebrews is called better. Every, everything you read in it shows you that something better was to come and something better came. And we need to realize there is something still better to come. Amen. We're looking for a city who has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. We're going to a better place. We're going to a city where there be no more night, where Jesus is the light. The trump is going to sound and we'll be called away. We're going to a city someday. Amen. We're going to be with him forever. Amen. As Paul told the church at Corinth. Amen. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are most men's most miserable. Amen. If it's all about right now, is you're going to be miserable. But we're going to a better place. We're looking to a place where there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. Amen. We will reign with him forever and ever. Now, we've been talking about this better sacrifice. And we see that the Bible lets us know that it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins of the people. But Jesus, with this one sacrifice, amen, he took away sin forever. If you got your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And we'll do a little walking through the pages a little bit here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Some credit Paul would write in this book. He says, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world have he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So notice the overall purpose for God coming to the earth was to put away sin out of the world. Amen. So this is why we have the opportunity to be saved. See, this is why we have the opportunity to become like him. This is why we have the opportunity to move on unto perfection. Amen. Notice, he says, he appeared to put away sin from the world. What? By himself. Because it was impossible, the Bible tells us, that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Amen. But by one sacrifice, just one sacrifice, Jesus Christ himself took our sins away. As the songwriter says, I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad. He took my sins away. Amen. And now on him I roll my every care. You see, this is why when you begin to look at Paul's instructions, he's constantly now warning the church that we should not walk in sin and we should not live in sin. Look at he, uh, Romans chapter 6. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. A little foundation here to get started. Amen. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. All right? You repented of your sins. You realized you was on the wrong road. You realized you were going the wrong way. And so you stopped and you repented. You says, I don't want to go that way anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to serve God. I want to live for God. So you're dying out to the things of this world. Amen. You're saying, I want to commit my life to Him. I see that what Jesus is offering me What Jesus has for me is so much better. He has made a way for me. Remember in Ephesians 2, 
we found out that as Gentiles, that Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, that we were what? Without Christ, we had no hope in this world. The promises of God was not for the Gentiles. They were only for the Jews. So therefore, by Jesus coming and dying, he opened the door, Paul says to the church of Corinth, that he became the mediator. He broke down the wall of petition between us. And as a result of the wall being broken down, now we can all come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and obtain grace to help us in the time of need. So everybody, we talked a little bit last week about how when we become children of God, it breaks down the prejudice barrier. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. And if we be Christ's, then are we Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. See, when we are baptized in that name, there's something about bringing us into the family of God. So Paul is trying to let us see here that now Jesus, as we saw in Hebrews 9, 26, one offering or one sacrifice, what did he do? He did away with sin. He made a way through the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, so that you and I would no longer serve sin, but live unto him. Moving on to what? Perfection. Moving on to righteousness taking on the attributes and character of God Almighty Himself. The fruit of the Spirit should be in operation in our lives. See? So Paul says we should not continue in sin. Somewhere in all this stuff we are going through in this world that we now live, we have got to wake up and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to serve Him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. No matter what persecutions comes against me, no matter how many temptations comes against me, I'm going to put on the whole armor of God so that I can stand against the wiles of the devil. If I'm going to say I'm a Christian, i got to be a Christian. Amen. I can't be wearing the mask. I can't be hypocriting around portraying something that I'm not. You know, because we're all going to be tested. The enemy is going to test you. He's going to try to come against you. So you need to say, I'm going to be what I say I am. And Jesus says to us in Matthew 5, Blessed are you when men persecute you and say all matters of evil fall still against you for my name. So rejoice and be exceeding glad. So when people call you a Christian, they talk about you being a Christian, get excited. And this is what Paul, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the five trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. He said, but rejoice and that you're becoming a partaker of Christ's suffering. I'm afraid as Christians, we don't rejoice enough. We don't get excited enough. If this thing is joy unspeakable and full of glory, we should be excited all the time. We should wake up and say, good morning. I think there's a song somebody's singing out there now, isn't it? Amen. Somebody say you can wake up and say, oh, good God is morning. Good God is morning. You know, it's, it's about our attitude. See? This world is not our home. I'm going to a better place. So we should not continue in sin that God's grace and mercy have to keep being poured out upon us. He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow so we become more like Him. Verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us was baptized into Jesus Christ was baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. Verse 4, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You're new. Say, you're, the old man is gone. You died, remember? And as I told you, I haven't seen a dead person doing anything wrong yet. Okay? So, so you, you've been buried with Christ. See, so now you've risen to what? Walk in a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. My attitude, my actions, my life, everything about me is must be revealed now that people can see Christ in me, the hope of glory. This is what I want to portray to a lost and dying world. Jesus tell me in Matthew 5, I'm the salt of the earth, I'm the light of the world, I can't hide. So if I say I'm a Christian, well, I'm going to hide. He says, you can't put a light and a candle in a bushel. He says, you want it to be on a candlestick so it gives light. So people can see you. You know, they can see there's something new about you. They can see Christ in you. So that when they come to you, you're ready to give an answer of every man they ask you of the hope that is in you. See, you've got it in you. He gave it to you for a purpose. So you need to have it. Amen. So Paul keeps going here. He says, amen, verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Jesus died. He rose again. Amen. We're resurrected to walk in newness with power and authority. Amen. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Okay? Are you serving sin? Are you serving Satan? Are you serving Jesus? I'm going to give you a test. All right, let me give you a test. And I'm going to let you answer yourself. If you're certain Satan or are you certain Jesus? Go to 1 John 3, verse 10. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to let you answer this question for yourself. First John, almost to the back of the Bible, chapter 3, verse 10. You there? In this is manifest the children of God, the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Are you doing right? Are you doing right? Pretty easy to figure out, isn't it? Because we know sin can't enter there. You remember what Jesus told the religious leader? You are your father, the devil. You know? So this is the test to let us know that we have to learn to do right. Because why? God is a God of righteousness. See? Remember, we killed the old guy. He's dead. I'm a new creature now. I want to serve Jesus with my rest of my days I've got. You know, in the Psalms, I think in Psalm 71, I think it might be verse 18 or somewhere in there. The Psalms says, Lord, even though I get old, he says, don't, don't take me until I have an opportunity to, to, to share with this generation who you are. I'm, I know I'm paraphrasing that a little bit there. But see, that should be our key now is to walk in righteousness, walk in truth. Remember, this better sacrifice we're talking about. He did it to destroy sin. And that's why when we repent, when we're baptized, when we're filled with this spirit, it's so that we will walk in righteousness. So that we will do what is right. So that God don't have to keep forgiving us anymore. Remember Hebrews said there's no more sacrifices of sin. Jesus ain't dying again. When he comes again, he's coming with salvation, eternal salvation. You know, so we need to get it right. Because I don't know when he's coming. No man, Jesus says, know the minute or the hour when the Son of Man is coming again. Watch, be ready, for in such an hour as you think not, he comes. See, so Paul says, don't continue in sin, that grace have to abound. He says, you've risen with Christ, so now walk according to that way. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. 
For he that is dead is what? You're free. That's why I said dead people don't do anything. <laughs> you know, are you going to serve sin? You're supposed to be dead. You know. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death have no more dominion or power over him. For in that he died, he died in the sin once. And, but in that he liveth, who is he living to? He's living to God. Now watch this. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments unto unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. See, so we have this sacrifice, this better sacrifice made a better way. Say, as long as I was a sinner, I had no opportunity. I had no hope of being with him and reigning with him. So God knew that. He made a way. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 4, 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, born, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, what? Abba, Father. Say, he's now my heavenly Father. I didn't have any hope before, but now I have hope. Hope should be springing out of you. Amen. So you've got to learn to do right. You don't want to keep sinning. You don't want to keep doing wrong because it can't get in there. Amen. You're not going to tiptoe through the tulips and get into heaven. You're going to have to be right to get in there. See, so we have to start moving towards perfection. By one sacrifice, the Bible says, he has perfected, amen, for us eternal salvation. Let's look at Hebrews 10, verse 12. I like this this book of Hebrews. I mean, it's just such an awesome, awesome book. Amen. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And the right hand means authority and power. It's always authority and power. Amen. Jesus says, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Amen. One sacrifice for sin. Those priests in the Old Testament, they had to keep coming every year, bringing a sacrifice, bringing it off, could never take away sin. All it did was rolled it forward, rolled it forward. But Jesus, just one, took away the sins of the whole world. Amen. And so now we can live according to what he has perfected for us. He's made a way. So therefore, we got to live the way he made for us. This is why he says in Jeremiah 6.16, Stand ye and ask, where's the old paths? Where is the good way? And walk therein. And what will happen? You will find rest for your soul. See, rest is the Holy Ghost. This is why Isaiah would say, amen, with stammering lips in another tongue, will he speak to his people. Wherefore he said, this is the rest which are called the weary, the rest, and this is the refreshing. But what happened? They wouldn't hear. Jesus says in, in, in Matthew uh, 11, 28-30, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. So the Holy Ghost is that spirit of rest. It's the comforter, as, as Jesus says in John 14. It's that comforter of that peace, that passive all un understanding. It's that tranquility that you need to keep you in perfect peace. See? And this is what this sacrifice did for us. It made things so much better. You shouldn't be walking around with your head hanging low. You shouldn't be walking around depressed. You should not be walking around feeling dejected. See, because why? Your hope is in Him. Amen. This is why Paul says hope that is seen ain't hope. 
You know? But we're looking for that better hope. He's the anchor of hope, isn't he? Hebrews 6. Amen. Verse 9 said, Beloved, I am persuaded of better things of you. Things that what? Accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is what? Uh, not unrighteous. Hebrews 6, verse 9. Amen. That God is not unrighteous to forget your works and labor of love, which you have shown unto his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the hope that is set before you unto the end. Why? Because when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, said, surely blessing, I'll bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he received the promise. See, we, we have to move on to perfection. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5.48, be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Come on, let's be complete. He's what? One offering, he has perfected eternal salvation. See, he has made, amen, let me find it for you here. Don't go nowhere. I'll find it in a second. He has perfected eternal salvation for us. Maybe Sister Parker can find and pull it up through the computer for us. Amen. But but what she's pulling up, now think about it. He has perfected, he has completed for eternal salvation. What is that? Amen. Repentance. What a baptism in his name. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There you go. Being made perfect, he become the author of eternal salvation to all them that, what? Obey him. See? This is why you, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, what did he say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words, did he testify and exalt, says, save yourselves from this untowards generation. See, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the plan of salvation. There is no other. That's why Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name on the heaven given to men, whereby we must be saved. See, and knowing this, he has perfected, he's made it complete that we can be saved. We can get into heaven. Amen. He's, he's made a way for us. I couldn't get that with sins on my body. I couldn't get that with unrighteousness. So God came and he says, let me prepare a way. Let me perfect a complete plan so that everybody can be saved. See? And that's what that sacrifice that he did, did. He says, I'm going to show you how to get rid of sin out of your life. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and walk in newness of life with my spirit. And you will walk right in. See? Now look at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through verse 11. Second Peter chapter... If I get to going too fast, you guys stop me, okay? Second Peter, huh? Second Peter, chapter one, verse five through eleven. And beside this, give all diligence. All right. Now think about what he's saying. Okay, giving all diligence because now you're trusting in Jesus. You got faith in Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You got your faith in Jesus. As you remember last week, I told you, faith without works is what? Is dead. 
You've got to put it to action. You've got to make it grow. It's just like a seed in the garden. You've got to give it a chance to start sprouting. You've got to keep adding some fertilizer, some water, if you want some fruit. Okay? So he says, now, you've got faith. You trust it. You believe. Okay? This is why Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in chapter 1. He says, after you heard the word of salvation, you know, you believe you was, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. In other words, you got baptized. You was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now you got to go on to perfection. So here is how we go on to perfection. Add to your faith virtue. In other words, moral excellency. Stop sinning. That's what it comes down to. Because if you're sinning, unrighteousness, we have already seen who we belong to. We belong to the devil. We're not, the, we're not gods. See? So therefore, we gotta have a moral life now. This is why you read in Paul's letters, he says what? Flee fornication, flee idolatry, flee all these things. Get away from it. Lust not. You know, all these things. He goes on and tells us not to do certain things. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor dullers, nor adulterers, nor feminists, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor robbers, nor covetous, nor any other shall be able to inherit the kingdom of God. We need more lives. If I say I'm a Christian, then sin can't be there. Because these things is not of God. We have the purpose. We've got to work on these things to get rid of it. I guarantee you, you've got a house full of, of bugs and a house full of rats and a house full of, you know, things that is not clean in your house. You, pretty, you know what you're going to do? You're going to call this exterminator, aren't you? You're going to get rid of it. You know, well, it's the same way with our lives. I can't keep doing wrong and expect good to come out of it. As I said Sunday morning, you know, when you read the book of Jeremiah, the prophet of Jeremiah, all Jeremiah is doing is weeping and crying because of the punishment that God is bringing Upon the children of Israel. The whole 60-something chapters. He's just weeping and crying because God is bringing devastation upon them because they wouldn't do what he told them to do. See? So there's consequences to wrong. And the quicker we wake up and realize it, the better off we're going to be. This sacrifice made a way. If he has my best interests at heart, if he wants me to be full of joy, unspeakable, and full of glory, if he wants me to be happy and excited and prosper and do great things, then I'm going to have to get in line with the Word. So i got to add to my faith virtue and virtue knowledge. Knowledge is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I need to learn how to reverence God. I need to study, as Paul said, to show myself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I've got to know the difference between right and wrong. I've got to study this thing. I've got to have knowledge. And to knowledge, I've got to have what? Temperance. I need some self-control now. You know, just because everybody's doing it don't mean it's right. You know, just because... You know, I'm of age doesn't make it right. I've got to have control of me now. And that's why God gives me power. That's why he gives me the Holy Ghost to help me control me, my attitude, my actions. Solomon says in Proverbs 25, 8, he that have no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. In other words, if you can't control you, the enemy is going to come in and destroy you. You know, this is why people, alcoholics and everything, these drug, you know, abusers, they don't have control over themselves. You know, you have to be able to control you. You know, I, I, I have to get into understanding the difference between needs and wants, or else I'm going to go in debt. See, so I have to have temperance. Temperance, I've got to have patience, or what is known as long-suffering. See, sometimes I've got to learn how to wait on some things. What I think might be good for me may not be good for me. 
So I might need to have to wait a little bit on it, save up for it, so I don't go into debt. I got to learn how to wait on God. I think Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. I got to have some patience. I take something to God. I ask God to do something for me. I need to learn how to wait and let him work. Isaiah 43, 13 says, 11 and 13, I think it is there, 15 somewhere, 13, I think. He'll work if you let him. But if you're going to take matters into your own hand, why is he going to work? He's a gentleman. He'll step right out the way. So you've got to have patience. To patience, godliness. Godliness is no more than God-likeness or holiness. See? That's all it is. And all holiness is is separation to God. That's all it is. Is dedicating your life to God. Just saying, I want to be like God. And the way I become like God is I read his word. And James says what? Be a doer of it. Because he's a God of righteousness. Takes us right back to that righteousness state, see? And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Think that catches that last six commandments. It brings in the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Brotherly kindness. Just being kind to people. The same way you want to be treated. Treat others the same way. That's all it is. And then the brotherly kindness, love. By this, Jesus said, shall all men know you are mine, are my disciples, if you have love one to the other. James said you in James 2, 89, if you fulfill the royal law, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do good. But if you have respect to persons, then you commit sin and is a transgressor. See? Love drives this whole train. Think about that sacrifice. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. He did it because of his love. And John says, beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm become what? Numbers, making noise. A whole chapter on love. So we, we this better sacrifice, amen. And so it's all designed to, to get sin out of our lives, amen. So that we can reign and live with him forever and ever and ever. For God so loved the world. He has perfected. Eternal salvation. So nobody should miss it. Amen. Nobody should miss it. He made it. He didn't hide it. As Paul told Agrippa, this thing was not done in a corner. It wasn't hidden. That's why Paul would write to the church, amen, in Rome, chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it. To the Jew and also to the Greek. See, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. God has made a way for everybody to be saved. That's why we are called to go what? Preach the gospel to every creature. Because God has perfected one sacrifice. And brought in eternal salvation for everyone. Don't miss it. I want you to be there with me. We're going to have a hold down and a square dance on the screen of gold. Amen. we got to be excited about where we're going. Amen. Don't let what you see mess with your head. Be here Sunday and you'll hear more about that. Amen. But but you but you've got to realize what he has perfected for us. One sacrifice, one blood, one plan of salvation. 
One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's Father of all, above all, through all, and in you all. Amen. Praise God. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 8. We'll get there. I got 15 minutes. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. Amen. The one is Jesus. This is just fulfillment of Acts 2.38 is all it is. Where Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See? See? It's in the waters of baptism that the blood of Jesus is applied to your life. It washes away the sins. See? That's why you come up new and walk in newness of life. See, this this is also why Paul right into the church at Corinth in the 15th chapter, and I think it's like verse 44 through 48, somewhere in there. He says that as we have bore the image of the earthly, now we must bear the image of the heavenly. See? We are born after the first man, Adam, in our natural state through our parents. But now we must take on Jesus Christ, the second Adam. See? And we do that by repentance, water baptism in his name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and walking in newness of life. See? We become Abraham's seed. According to Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Amen. When we are what? For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, you what? You put on Christ. See? That's what is happening. You're becoming like him. You're being robed in Christ. You're taking on this new robe and this new life. Amen. Look at Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verse 7 through 8. And Isaac, Abraham's son, you remember God told Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your only son, Isaac. And I notice, and Isaac spake to Abraham, his father, and he says, my father? And he says, here I am, my son. He says, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. Now notice, I'd say, dad, here's the wood and here's the fire, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? See, under the Levitical law, the burnt offering was for sin. See, that was the purpose for the burnt offering. It was for sins. Whether intentional or unintentional, you know, those offerings, when you go back and you read Leviticus, the law, you will find that the burnt offering was for sins. Okay? And so that's why when you look at what he said, God will provide himself a lamb. This is why when you look at John chapter 1, verse 29, John sees Jesus coming And what does he say? Behold, a lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Notice. The lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And Mark chapter 2, verse 7. Watch this. It says unto him, what do you speak blasphemy? No man who can forgive sin, but God only. Go to 1 John chapter 5 verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come. And have given us an understanding. 
that we may know him that is true. We are in him that is true. Even his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. You get it? First Timothy three sixteen. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. John chapter 1. You there? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter, first John chapter five, verse seven. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Is there a reason that the Son doesn't agree with the Father and the Holy Ghost in heaven? Is there a reason the Son doesn't agree with the Father and the Spirit in heaven? What happened to the Word? It became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Jesus was Almighty God. This is why Abraham said prophetically, My son, God will provide Himself not something else, himself a lamb. Because why? Mark 2, 7. Nobody can take away sin but God. Remember what Jesus told Philip? He that have seen me have seen the Father. Amen. He perfected by one sacrifice eternal salvation. Amen. He was received back up in the glory. He came down from glory. He went back into glory. He's coming back again from the glory. Amen. So we have to be ready. This is why we've got to walk in newness of life. This is why we are Christians. This is why we are followers of Him. Don't let anybody deceive you, Paul says. Then be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And having done all you can do to stand, Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplates of righteousness, your feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto for me and all the saints of God. Amen. We're moving to perfection. Amen. This sacrifice. See, it made a plan, a better plan. That's what the whole premise of him coming was for. To bring us back. That's why Paul says we have the word of what? Reconciliation. 
And that word for reconciliation is the gospel. See, the gospel brings us all back together. I can hate your guts. Hear me. I can be so angry with you. I can be prejudiced against you. I can have all animosity against you. But I guarantee you, when I come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and I repent of my sins and I get baptized in his name and he filled me with his spirit, I guarantee you, you watch out and see don't I hug you. <laughs> see don't I come to you. Amen. Because that's what it's designed to do is to draw us to God first and foremost. And if it draws me to God, it's going to draw me to others. Amen. That's what this sacrifice was for. It was the vision. It was far away. But through one sacrifice, one offering. Look at John chapter 18, verse 14. John chapter 18, verse 14. Now, Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should do what? Die for the people. Think about it. (laughs) One man had to die for the people. And Jesus fulfilled that role. No man take my life from me. I lay it down. And I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. Amen. So he perfected. Say, Caiaphas was prophesying and didn't even probably know it. But see, but he was the high priest. See, and so therefore the high priest was always responsible for taking the blood of the sacrifice and to the holies of all. And Hebrews tell us that Jesus became what? The high priest. Amen. And he perfected one offering, his blood, on the altar for all of our sins. It's under the blood. So live, amen, as servants of the Lord. One offering for all our sins. He's defeated, somebody says, Satan with two sticks and three nails, right? <laughs> Amen. A better, better, better sacrifice. And that sacrifice proves that he loves us. We've seen that. We've seen that his sacrifice was for our sins. And as we saw a little bit last week, his sacrifice was a better offering for me. Amen. Because, man, now I... And as David said, run through a troop and I can leap over a wall. Amen. Better sacrifice. Burn offering, don't have to bring it anymore. Grain offering, don't have to bring it anymore. All the offerings under the Old Testament shadows, I don't have to do them anymore. He's perfected by one sacrifice, one offering of himself. He fulfilled. It is finished. Amen. And now we walk in that newness of life. Sin has no more dominion over us. Amen. You have dominion over sin. Jesus says in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. You've got the power. you got the power to do right. So don't do wrong and expect good to come out of it. <laughs> it just don't work that way. You know why? You reap what you sow. Come on. How many times you got to read it? If I do wrong, I'm going to reap wrong. If I do right, I'm going to reap righteousness. And this is what God wants from us all. Amen. Praise God. He is our spirit of truth. Let me check my notes to make sure I've got everything here. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And we've already seen that through this sacrifice was the only way we could receive his spirit. That was, that was the only way. 
That's why John 7, 37 through 39 says, In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they that believe on him shall receive, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Say, but now he's glorified. And so everyone that come to him, amen, and faith believing can receive his spirit. Amen. Because he knows you have to have his spirit to be his. Say, and he's perfected that plan. He perfected that plan. Amen. For you and I. Amen. And you can receive that spirit of truth. Amen. And it will lead you. It will guide you. It will direct you. It will help you. Amen. He'll be as close as the mention of his name. Amen. Anytime you want him, you can feel him. You know, you can touch him. The Bible says we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points just like we were yet without sin. You can touch God. You can feel him. Amen. So so let me encourage you. Amen. Don't keep doing wrong. <laughs> Purpose in your heart, I'm going to do right. Because he loves you. He cares for us. He wants the best for us in all that he does. And that's why he's made all these things so much better for us. See, we was without. But now we're in. We're, we were adopted in. Amen. I have the same privileges as everyone else. You know, I grew up in the South in the in the 50s. So a lot of times I had to go to the back door and get stuff. You know, I remember those days. See, but now. See, somebody made a better way. Somebody broke down some rules and some laws to open the door. So now what? I can come through the front door just like everybody else. See, that's how good God is. We can come boldly. That's what he said. Without sacrifice, when you read Mark, the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. You don't need a priest anymore to go to Jesus. Amen. You can confess your sins right where you are in your car, at your door, laying in your bed, sleep at night, whatever. You have that privilege. Say, why? Because he opened the door. Come unto me. So you can go boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. Praise God. Let me... All right. It is good to have. Is this Adria? Andrea. That's all right. That's 